Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. What you're about to hear is the next entry in Nighttime's Canadian Gothic series. In episodes branded as Canadian Gothic, stories are shared that are darker and more disturbing than what you're probably used to hearing around here. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to Canadian Gothic, a series by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners. The stories you're about to hear take us to the city of Toronto, Ontario. More specifically, they take us into the many trains that twist and turn below the city surface and onto the buses and streetcars that rumble their way around above it. The TTC, or the Toronto Transit Commission, is the public transit system that services Toronto's diverse population. Using a mix of subways, buses, and streetcars, the TTC is Canada's largest public transit system. With nearly 2 million riders each day, the TTC is the setting for many events. Babies have been born on their vehicles, countless love stories begin there, old friends are reacquainted, and of course, there's a lot of crime. Robberies, assaults, frauds, and yeah, there's murder too. And that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. In this episode of Nighttime, I'll be joined by Canadian crime video creator Madeleine Klein to discuss four stories of random, unprovoked murder on the Toronto transit system. Maddie Klein, welcome to the future. It's 2023 and you survived. Oh, I never thought we'd see it. <laughs> I said this to my, when I did my last recording with my pal Aaron, is 2023 really sounds like the future, right? I remember when it was turning the year 2000 and my dad was like, wow, back in 1980, we never thought we'd see the year 2000. And I'm like, what are these people thinking now? Like, <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Well, it's, it's so many old, when you watch like old sci-fi movies and stuff from, you know, the 70s and 80s, they're often set in like, you know, it's the year 2007. And it's so futuristic. <laughs> yeah. But no, 2023 is kind of wild. But uh, what a lot of people say, and I agree with, is it just feels like the longest ever 2020. Like COVID and all that stuff just made it drag out. It's like as if time doesn't go fast enough as is, mm -hmm. like the last three years specifically have definitely like melted all together. Mm -hmm. um, and the talk of New Year's, the future 2023, that's not just to, you know, just to lean on the fact that we're recording this shortly after New Year's Day. It's to talk about why the heck we don't have hover cars. If we all had personal like kind of like hover cars like the Jetsons, we would not need to take public transit. I think about this literally every day. And I always say like, what a scam it is. It's 2023 and we can't teleport yet. Mm -hmm. And someone said the Jetsons couldn't teleport till 2064. And uh -oh. I was like, oh no. <laughs> uh oh, well, we got a long way to go. And I'll tell you after doing the research for this episode and going through the cases we're gonna be talking about, my goodness, I don't know if I will ever be comfortable going on public transit again, and I especially won't be comfortable going on the Toronto transit system, which uh, I often use when I'm in Toronto, where I visit often. Have you been to Toronto? A few times, yeah. Okay, but you're you're quite a ways away from it. Where you are, do you have oh, yeah. public transit? You got you don't have subways in your city, do you? No. 
uh, we have buses. Okay. We just got Uber not long ago. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, I think you need a million people for a metro, and we're not even. I think there's a million people in the province. But I guess uh, buses aren't all that safe either when it comes to random crime. Wasn't it Oh Earway where the guy was beheaded on a bus? That was out, I believe, just outside of Winnipeg, which is just just our neighboring province, okay. or Manitoba, I should say. Yeah, and that that kind of story would kind of fit well into what we're talking about because that was also a situation where it was unprovoked, random, wrong place at the wrong time. Someone ended up getting you know murdered in the most horrific way possible. Uh, I actually know a guy that was going up to Winnipeg for like Nine Inch Nails or Tool or something was playing, and he got there before the police. Like, so he would, like, he was just driving that way and everything that happened happened. And he got there in between like the 911 call and the first responders Whoa. arriving. Whoa. Yeah. So there's just like a bus on the side of the highway with a bunch of people outside freaking out. That's literally what he said. He was like, yeah, there was just like a bunch of people freaking out. So we pulled over. I was like, and there's a guy eating what? a guy. Yeah. So wow. yeah, you're right. That that would be a good a good story for this series to fit into this. Yeah, because it's when that happened. For people who don't know, we're talking about the Greyhound. I think people often will refer to it as the Greyhound bus attack, where it yeah. was a man suffering from mel mental illness in the middle of a bus ride. Took out like I think a knife and stabbed yeah. the guy in front of him, chopped him up, started to eat him. As and you know, other passengers couldn't stop him. They had to just wait and let it happen while they waited for the police to arrive and. That man, yeah. the man responsible, as far as I know, is a free man now living in Toronto, having gone through treatment for, you know, whatever mental illness uh, led to that. That's yeah, that's correct. I want to say I want to say this happened in 2008 and he was released in 2018, I think. If wow. my memory serves. You're good, because we didn't plan to even talk about this case. Oh. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't help but bring it up because it's one where. You know, when that happened, it, it, of course, was a huge story and it made people question the safety of public transit. Uh, but here we are now about to record an episode that tells, I think, four or five stories that aren't all that different from what happened on that Greyhound bus. Um, I think anyone who has used public transit, they may not have ever seen anything like what we're going to be talking about here tonight. But do you have any weird bus encounters, anything creepy, any perverts um... rub up against you weirdly? I'm very lucky. I'm very, very lucky. Um, I very seldom took the bus when I was younger. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, when I did, yeah, I, I've taken buses abroad over in Europe, trains. I've, I don't have any, any crazy stories. Wow. Thank okay. God. Okay. Yeah. I, I, my people who are close to me, my friends and family often say like, there's something about you, Jordan, wherever you go, like weird stuff just seems to follow you. And I could tell you, like, I could write a book about weird stuff I've seen on buses and trains, and I hardly ever take the bus. Uh, but I think the one that pops into my head when I think of a creepy bus or public transit story, I was on the bus uh, in Halifax. This is maybe 10 years ago or something. And there was like a young lady sitting in the seat ahead of me and I have my headphones on. She probably had her headphones on. Um, eventually, another person gets on the bus and he happens to, he walks and he sits first like at the front of the bus and he's kind of looking around all awkwardly. And then he, while the bus is driving, he gets up and move, comes back towards where we are, which is about halfway down the bus. And he sit with, uh, in the seat next to the young lady of, neck in front of me, which is just weird. Why would you 
you know, choose to sit next to someone when there are other seats where you don't have to sit next to someone. That's just kind of common courtesy. Um, oh, this poor girl. And anyway, and I, and this girl, she's just looking out the window and, you know, she probably senses something weird is going on, but I'm, I'm watching from my vantage point behind them. And I see him kind of like lean back his shoulder, put his hand kind of behind her and he started touching her hair really like gently and softly in a way like you could almost see he's like she is not gonna notice this and he did that for a couple minutes well not a couple minutes he did it for like a couple seconds and i was about to like say like hey like, you can can't. you not <laughs> and before like as i was watching it being like what the hell is gonna happen here she realized it and she like jumped up and like shouted at him the bus nice. stopped the bus driver got up the back door to the bus opened and the guy got out and ran nice perfect <laughs> well it was just perfect but freaking crazy everyone on the bus like what happened i was the only one that saw it other than the girl who had her hair touched i was uh, expecting the bus driver to like fresh prince of bel-air throw him out of the bus oh that would have been very <laughs> cool. um and that's my halifax creepy story and now i have a toronto subway creepy story i was um, just gonna ask you have to have one from toronto yeah i go to i go to toronto often my best friend who's more like a brother to me than a friend his name is randy stonewall he's probably listening so shout out to him he's a big fan of the toronto transit commission the ttc in fact he has a hoodie that has like the route maps on the hoodie and he wears it all the time uh and really you could be a fan of oh, the ttc you even bring up tcc he'll just talk and talk in like this sweater that i'm talking about that has like the route map it's like the ugliest sweater but he loves the ttc so much that he wears it to show off the different routes that he could take on the subway but i love that um anyway i was in toronto i don't know this is 10 years ago again probably i'm on the subway and well you know for people who don't know the ttc uh, the subway system especially it's a lot like a public homeless shelter meets public transport sort of thing there's a lot of social problems that find their way into the subway stations and onto the trains. Um, I kind of came face to face with one of those issues where I was sitting on the train, the subway, on my way to God knows where, and a man came on the same train and sat kind of like a, a, across from me, across the aisle from me or whatever. And he didn't have a shirt on. He had cut off jean shorts, a big beard, long hair, your typical kind of guy you would encounter he, uh, that would be facing homelessness for a long period of time. He didn't look like he had bathed or, or bathed or showered in a long time. Uh, he sat down across me. He didn't say anything. He just looked blindly forward. But what made it stand out was he had what looked like a wooden stake, like almost like, you know, when you see a drawing of like Jesus being crucified, like the stake that they would drive through his hand. He had one of those driven into his knee, uh, like kind of under his kneecap. And it had been there for a while because like the blood marks around it were like almost like what? dried and like black. Yeah. And he just sat there with it as if he didn't even know it was there. And like, I'm not exaggerating, it must have been there at least for two or three days, if not longer. And he just oh my God. sat down in front of me and I was, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. What do you do when you see something like that? And I guess maybe this you is just good. Mind your own, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but minding your own business, I think when you see someone 
being weird or looking out of place on a transit is maybe what leads to some of the stuff we're about to get into. Because it yeah. looks like a lot of the people we're going to talk about were being weird and out of place on the subway system before they did something horrible and horrific. But that said, you can't just go up to people because they're weird and, you know, question them. So it's right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why there needs to be better security on the TTC. But we'll get to that. Let's let's get into it here, though. And let's start with some basics about the TTC, which, again, is the Toronto Transit Corporation. The TTC is the agency that operates buses, subways and streetcars in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Toronto being, I, if not Canada's largest city, they're in the top couple. I don't know what so they. What is a streetcar? A cab or like a tram? You don't know a street? Yeah, tram. It's like a. It's it like looks a tram. Like, okay, it, okay. It looks like a bus, except it's it has like a pole that connects to like a wire, and it has electric yeah. power. Okay. I didn't know Toronto had those. Oh yeah, they have a bunch of streetcars oh. and. Huh. Yeah, and, and the whole system's kind of linked. So if you need to get from, you know, point A to point B, it may involve getting on a bus, which takes you to a subway station. You get on the subway to your stop. You get off the stop, get onto a streetcar, which brings you to your destination. So when for people in Toronto that can really navigate the TTC, it's you, you're swapping from kind of uh, vehicle to vehicle along along the route so although okay. these are all different kinds of vehicles they all work together and you may be in an underground subway station but there may be a spot in there where the buses or streetcars actually come in and pick you up without actually going outside so it's one big connected oh. system cool. to, to give you a sense of how many people use it the most recent stats i could find were in 2021 uh, the system had a ridership of 386 million passengers passengers a year which equate to just under 2 million people per day ride this so That's tremendous insane. numbers an incredible amount of people and wow. it's but it's like anytime i've ever been on it especially you know a work day rush hour kind of thing it is just a sea of bodies pouring in and out of trains all day um that sounds like my worst nightmare yeah it has its own version of a police force it's kind of something between police and security uh, monitor the ttc i think the big difference is the officers that monitor the ttc they work for the ttc but they have the ability to perform an arrest on like a security guard so it's kind of like a right. hybrid thing because of course with this many people you know crime is a problem on the subway um, one number I, I i was trying to figure out like a, a sense of how much crime actually happens on the TTC, I couldn't find a clear number, but what I did find was a surprising statistic, which is they have an estimate, uh, an average of 25 suicides a year taking place, either people jumping in front of trains or in front of buses. I expected that to be a lot higher in a city. I expected like it to be lower. Oh, really? That that number, yeah. when I saw that, I thought, whoa, because it's like when a, when you think of suicides in a major city, People will choose, they choose, you know, if there's a major bridge, let's say through your city, that will be the hot spot. But if you're in downtown Toronto, there are people everywhere and there are these speeding trains and buses. I guess, hey, I'm yeah. over here in Saskatchewan. Like, why wouldn't they, I, they were, lots of people here go to the highway and wait for a big semi, but I guess that's not a thing in Toronto. <laughs> no, um, I guess not. It, it, that number it did surprise me because I've I've been on the TTC. Yeah. I've been on the subway once that I recall where 
trains were delayed they like kind of shut the whole system down and it turned out it was a uh, someone had jumped in jumped in front of a train somewhere so i was in toronto for at least one of these average of 25 a year well and two million people a day you'd think that would be higher you're right mm -hmm. i'm wrong you're right yeah <laughs> um that's just rose colored glasses you and regina it's perfect <laughs> Right. It's just a bunch of nice, you know, fields Living of under wheat. this rock. Yeah. Seriously. Um, I'm one of the most gullible people you'll ever meet. Okay. Good to know. Um, so of, of the 2 million people per day, of course, murder happens. It's rare. It's not uncommon. It happens. Much like any other city, murder is often the result of organized crime, drugs, uh, you know, marital divorces and domestic violence, all these sorts of things rear their heads into murders in and around TTC vehicles. But what we're going to be talking to tonight, talking about tonight is the idea that if you get 2 million people together a day that don't know each other, there's going to be random, unprovoked, violent incidents. The TTC has their share of them. In tonight's episode, I picked out we'll say four and a half stories of random unprovoked murder between strangers that happens in public transit in Toronto in view of innocent people who are on their way to work. And these stories are horrific. Going through the research for this was a literal nightmare. Did it surprise you how dark this gets? Uh, yeah, there and the there's one case specifically uh, just the the way that this person is murdered mm. i was just like what, what? yeah i and, can't believe shit like that happens yeah and a lot of these so, aren't you know the middle of the night in the dark corner a lot of these no. are it was it was 10 11 in the morning you know and sh it's it's shocking It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. What, what brought this on is there just over the last year during 2022, there were two high profile murders on the Toronto transit system that led to kind of this conversation about, about safety and what could be done to, you know, prevent things like this happening under the TTC system. Uh, that led me to look at those two cases in 2022, but also to go back through the years to see, you know, how often this kind of thing was happening in the past. And so what I did is Sadly and tragically, there are way more of these stories than we would ever have time to get to in one podcast episode. What I did was I just took stories from the last four and a half years. We're going to start 
in 2018. But that said, I just want to make it clear that I could go back, you know, any amount of time and have way too many of these stories to share. But just for the sake of keeping it current and to limit the scope of our discussion, we're going to start in June of 2018 with what I guess we could call it um, a push death. And if you're if we're talking about subways, I think people will know what we a push death. Before I explain it, I'm going to play you a news clip that was aired shortly after this happened. And this will do a bit of the storytelling, but we'll go from here. Well, police have arrested a 57-year-old man charged with first-degree murder. That's after a man in his 50s or early 60s was pushed into a TTC train Monday morning at the Young and Bloor station. Did you see what happened? I see shadows at the Police say about 50 people were on the platform at the time when the victim, who was trying to board an eastbound train, fell towards the tracks. The man was rushed to hospital where he later died. Police arrested a man about 20 minutes after the original call. Homicide detectives have reviewed security footage and say there's no connection between the suspect and victim. Police add the footage shows very little interaction between the two when the victim was quickly pushed onto the tracks. What you see on the video is um, our victim and our accused uh, approach. Uh, they're about to get on the uh, uh, eastbound train, which is approaching the, uh, the station. And uh, our allegations at this time are that there's an interaction between our accused and our deceased and our deceased uh, uh, is sort of pushed and uh, falls under the train. Police are still working on identifying the victim, describing him as an Asian male between 50 and 60 years old with white hair, white eyebrows, wearing blue running shoes and a white baseball cap. Meanwhile, the accused is expected to appear at College Park Courts Tuesday morning. So what stands out to me, first of all, is that's someone pushed onto the tracks in front of a train and killed, but it said there were 50 people on the platform. So those are like, as this happens, it's amongst a crowd of people. Could you imagine waiting for the subway on the way to work? The subway train's about to pull up. You get up from your seat to like about to board the train and you just see some guy get pushed and go flying in front of it. Like that is horrifying. Like that's that's 50 more victims. Like that would cause, P cause you PTSD. Oh, absolutely. Like seeing something like that, those poor people. Mm -hmm. uh, one in, of course, the poor victim, but the right one of the, in the clip uh, for people who heard it and have not seen that specific news report. There's one moment in the the video report that I just played where they're interviewing like one of the witnesses, and they only air just like a split second of it. But you can see that it's the person is just like hysterical, like they're in complete shock and they're hardly like you can tell they can't even explain what they saw to the news reporter. I was shocked that they even put a camera or a microphone in front of this person's face to to try to, to try to capture it. But it's when you're on and I think it works this way in a lot of major subways is you sit like kind of there, there's either a standing area or a sitting area. You're standing on like a raised platform. There's often like a bit of a yellow line or like some kind of space that indicates like, you know, don't go this close to the, tr to the edge. And then yeah. when the train comes, it just flies in that space on the other side of the yellow line. I've always been super uncomfortable on those kind of platforms with the fear of like of something exactly like this happening to me or someone around me. It just, the idea of having your back to a stranger 
as a train is flying in front of you, it just doesn't seem like a good idea. And it seems like a really unsafe way to set up a subway system. Well, now that you say that, anytime I've been in a larger city and traveled by train or metro, I've had that exact same thought waiting for it. Just I'm just like, like I know this. I know this is a really morbid thought, but like anyone could just push anyone else or yeah. jump on. It, it, and it's it's you're putting so much faith and trust in a stranger standing behind you. Imagine if you went in a store that sold guns and you had to like stand with your back to the people who are like putting bullets in guns, you know, like and you're just like, uh, oh, they're not going to shoot me. They're just testing you know, doing whatever they're doing. I just I just need to trust them. Yeah, it's just that has nothing to do with me, but but it's it's not all that different. Like it's a train flying towards you. Someone it it only takes a subtle push if you're not prepared for that, and you push someone from behind, and you're going in front of a train. Like, what are the chances you would ever survive from that? And even if you did, what would be left of you? Well, and let's say there wasn't a train coming. That's a fall, man. Like that's how many feet is that? Like you're, you're going to break something for sure. Even if a train's not coming, like you're going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is scary. Now this idea of, of um, the risk of standing near that drop on the platform, it brings up this, uh, this idea that I want to get into this now because it will be, um, it'll come up several times in future stories that we're going to get into in this episode is in some subway systems and some other cities, um, they, the way it works is the, tr- the, the area, the train drives in like within, like off of that platform is actually like, it has almost like a glass cage around it. So when the train comes, a door opens and you're able to then enter and get on the train. But if someone okay. pushed you, you would just hit a glass wall after this pushing incident in 2018 that we just heard. And we're about to learn more about, uh, it led to, a lot of public interest in getting a system, getting the system, the subway system in Toronto updated to have these kind of glass screens. Uh, when you hear the dollar amount uh, for what it will cost to install these across the Toronto subway system, it kind of makes you question what's a human life worth? Because as you'll hear, if they did make this investi- investment in 2018 when this happened and when this conversation happened, uh, came up about it, they would have saved a few lives. So listen to this. If you see something, say something. A day after a subway user is allegedly pushed from the platform to his death, TTC commuters are on alert. I've been living in Toronto for a long time and using the trains. And that, what I heard was, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. The last time a transit user died after being pushed was 1997. 23-year-old law clerk Charlene Minkowski was waiting for her train at Dundas Station when she was shoved onto the tracks in an unprovoked attack. The TTC says it's conducting a feasibility study on whether to install safety barriers along the edge of subway platforms. This is something that City Council and and the Board of Health, for example, have said we need to do. The study was already underway before Monday's incident, although Brad Ross says it has been the impetus for renewed talks. The cost of retrofitting stations to accommodate the barriers isn't going to be cheap, and it's a process that's going to take time. Now, the commuters we spoke to here say for the most part, 
It's a concept they are on board with if it means greater peace of mind on the commute into work. We estimate uh, conservatively at least a billion dollars. The city is keeping an eye on automatic platform screen doors and barriers already in use in parts of Asia and Europe, many installed as a form of suicide prevention. In order to put in platform edge doors, you need to first have automatic train control. Why? Because you have to make sure that the doors of the vehicle line up with the doors on the platform. A process that's already underway. You don't know now. You know, you look at a person and they don't like the way you look and, you know. Do you think that you'd feel safer if there was a barrier put up here? Definitely. Yeah, I think it would be safer. Like, look at this. But before a plan can move forward, the study has to be complete, and that won't be ready until 2020. Shalima Maharaj, Global News. So, uh, as you hear in the clip, it, apparently the discussion was already happening before the 2018 push death to maybe get the system retrofitted to have these kind of barriers. The price tag of a billion dollars seems pretty, pretty wild, right? Like, I realize I have no credentials and I don't actually realize how much things cost, but like, that mm. seems pretty steep. That's what Come I was on. thinking. Because uh, I was, when you see the images of what they're proposing, it's kind of just like glass it's or plastic walls. Plexiglass. But I think what is probably the, the other part of that is the plexiglass and the installation of that is one thing. But what they say in the clip is, it also needs to be like changes to the train to make it so that they stop like in a, a certain spot so that the doors line up with the train. So it's right. It's this kind of like automated thing. Um, but e even still, like a, a billion dollars seems like such an incredible amount of money. That but, is a massive price tag. But then at the same time, if you are some of the people in the stories that we're going to get into, you may think. I think, uh, you know, that my loved one was worth a billion dollars or whatever, totally. you know, whatever it is, because it's, you know, there's the amount of if you have millions of people getting on this a day, you know, a billion dollars isn't that much when you're talking about that investment to save the lives, make people feel better and more willing to to use the system. But true, much like everything else, something horrible happens. There's all this talk about these new safety measures that looks like it's going to happen. And then it all just kind of goes away until something yeah. bad happens again. Um, so we'll come back to this idea of putting a barrier in the TTC. First, let's just kind of get caught up with this specific case in 2018 with this push. Because eventually when this case goes to court, like as we just heard so far, an elderly man who is not elderly, I think they estimated a 50 to 60 year old Asian man was put on, pushed onto the track. They didn't know who he was. They were, when the, the early report we played, they, he had not been identified, but they did arrest a suspect. Um, they, the suspect will eventually go to court, um, being charged with second degree murder. He, he will plead guilty, but we'll, we'll get to that. And the story of how this all happens is quite wild. They'll also identify the victim who is 73 year old Yoshi Hayahara. Uh, this this crime happened, this push happened 10 15 a.m. on a Monday morning, completely random, unprovoked. Uh, Yoshi Hayahara, a 73 year old man, had no idea that this was coming. Uh, I'm going to play one last clip that'll start to wrap up the story, and this is going to cover a little bit of the guilty plea. It will mention the motivation, but we'll fill in some of the blanks after this 
Two weeks after John Rosednik pleaded guilty to second-degree murder after pushing a stranger, 73-year-old Yosuke Hayahara, in front of an eastbound subway at Young Blur Station in June 2018, the 55-year-old now says he thought Hayahara was his landlord, and he did it because he was being evicted. According to facts read out in court, after Rosednik pushed Hayahara onto the tracks, he lingered on the platform once the train was stopped and watched emergency personnel on scene. I see shadow that Rosednik then went to this McDonald's, stood in line and bought himself a drink before walking back up Bloor Street, trying to get back into the subway station, but it was shut down. He then went up to a firefighter who was sitting in his truck and said to him, I am the one who pushed him before saying the words mental illness. Rosednik then approached a police officer and admitted to killing the man. Once under arrest, he told the officer, I murdered him. I don't know why they didn't arrest me on the platform. It's got to be on video. I freaked out. I imagined my landlord who, he's evicting me and I can't find a place and I'll be homeless. In preparing for the sentencing hearing in March, the Crown suggested Rosednik consent to a mental health assessment, something he has yet to do. The defense said that one doctor who examined him after the murder found that he suffers from major depression, social and general anxiety. The judge then addressed the offender himself and strongly urged him to agree to a psychiatric exam. I can only imagine how... Um yeah, upsetting and um, scary it would have been. This spokesperson for a transit riders advocacy group says the case, while isolated, speaks to the need for more barriers, especially at Bloor Young Station. It would be expensive to upgrade um, all of the stations, but it would make it safer, it would make it more accessible, and it would reduce delays on the subway. A lot to unpack there, but first of all, the motivation is it seems like the man who did the pushing not so much that he thought the victim was his landlord. It just like he looked at the victim and started to think about his landlord in this trouble he was having facing eviction. And I guess just decided, you know, this ends now. Push us a stranger. Yeah, that's well, and I was going to say like a push, a push sounds so personal. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's crazy that these these push murders are random, but he thought that it was his landlord, which is just bizarre. Mm-hmm. and yeah and, just started thinking about it yeah uh the, the man who did it his name is john rosetnik um he ended up pleading guilty to second degree murder his sentence was life in prison which in canada is 25 years with no chance of parole for 14 years so he he is away for a long time but everything that i read about his case and his trial it seemed like there was some resistance for him to get mental health um a mental health kind of like check or analysis leading into this. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't like the idea of someone who obviously has some dangerous stuff going on, um, being able to resist getting treatment. Hopefully wherever he is, right. it's not an optional thing. You know, I to totally agree. Help. Yeah. Unfortunately in prison, as much as Canada likes to think that our prison system is built on rehabilitation, it's not far from it it's (laughs) yeah it's it's shocking i uh for people who listen to my show i did a series on a young woman named Lindsay suvanaroth who came to halifax to commit a mass shooting and she came on my show from prison uh and told her story but she also talked a lot about life in prison and she it blew my mind some of the things she told me about prison that i had no idea like for one all of the rehabilitational stuff is optional 
completely optional. And the only benefit to do it is because when you get to, well, two benefits. One, when you get to parole time, it looks good if you've gone through these courses. Totally. Secondly, you get paid to attend them. So you can do this horrible thing. I don't know. I freak out and I kill someone. I go to prison. I can or I can choose to take these rehabilitation courses or I can just sit in my cell and, I don't know, write a book or play video games or watch TV or something. If I choose to go to the to the anger management course or whatever they want me to take, I will get paid for that. And I can use that money to buy, I don't know, whatever you buy, chips and Cigarettes. Pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's I don't know if you can smoke in there. So, but, <laughs> but, either, but either way, my advice is Diet Pepsi. I'll be sitting in my cell drinking Diet Pepsi. Uh, this sounds of, like a rent-free vacation, in my opinion. Well, like, I, t I tell you, there's some days when I have a lot going on and I'm dealing with crap. I'm like, man, I wish I was in prison today. I could just yeah. sit and chill. <laughs> right. Maybe take an anger management course. We um, have like a local correctional facility. And like a year or two ago, it made news that someone got drugs delivered there via drone. Oh, that happens all the time now. I, it's, and I'm like, you, this is the best headline ever. <laughs> yeah, you laugh, but it's it's a smart way. And, and in some right? some prisons, people will fly because you can fly a drone from far away. So I can be safely, you know, a half a kilometer or whatever away from the prison fence. I can fly my drone with a little camera carrying a little payload of, I don't know, whatever, heroin whatever or something. Yeah. And I can I can fly it right up to the window of my buddy's, my gang member's cell or I can like stash it in, you know, a bush outside the field where he'll be the next day. And that's like, that's the new way that's to get insane. drugs in there. And, and I can't teleport to work. Exactly. What a scam. <laughs> Something is wrong, right? Something's wrong here. Well, let's move on from the 2000 or so. Yeah, the 2018 push of June 18th and move on to the April, April 2022 push. This one has a twist, though. I know we're here to be talking about random murders on the TTC. When in the story of the 2022 push, the woman survives. I'm Aaron Habel of Generation Y, and with me is Jack Luna of Dark Topic. We'd like to introduce you to Marooned, a new podcast that's sure to capture your attention. Tales of the catastrophically lost are what we have to offer. Hikers swallowed by the woods. Explorers discovering nothing but destitution. True crime calamity. Oddities of harrowing human experience. It's a museum of misadventure. So pack a lunch. Subscribe to Marooned wherever you find podcasts. We are waiting. Please hurry. Thank you. Here's what happened in 2022. We have more today on a CTV News exclusive. A woman who was pushed onto the tracks of a subway is sharing her story. We want to warn you, the details of this attack are terrifying. She was injured but survived. The person accused in this case now in custody. Oh my God, horrible. I actually thought I was going to die. Like, even though I rolled, I thought the train would chop half of my body at least. Being shoved on the subway tracks could have turned out a lot worse for Shamza al-Balushi. She is stunned. She made it out alive. My nose is swollen and there is a cut here. It's crazy. The 39-year-old was on her way home Sunday night waiting at Young Subway Station when she says she was pushed off the platform onto the tracks. This video obtained by the Toronto Star shows the moment it happened. Next thing I know, I'm flying and I'm under the track. I had, I don't know how I got the strength, but I rolled like a roly-poly to the side in there to squish in so that 
train wouldn't and I was screaming in pain and people are screaming at the same time and the train appeared. Al Belushi says she stayed under the platform for about half an hour and came close to the train. It stopped. It, it, it stopped beside me. Like, it just stopped. It was up in Yep. Police have charged 45-year-old Edith Frayne with attempted murder, arrested Monday night. They say there is no reason to believe the women knew one another. I feel horrible. I slept in pain. I couldn't sleep. Less than 48 hours after the terrifying incident, Al Belushi was back on the subway. She has a broken rib, but isn't letting the ordeal get the best of her. It's not a violent city. I don't know. I don't understand this. Toronto is a safe city. This is crazy. Like what's happened is insane. Al Belushi says to improve safety, she'd like to see more officers on the subway. She doesn't want anyone else to experience such a trauma. So is it, is it just me or did she almost have like a bit of a sense of humor about the whole thing? I, uh, she made me laugh twice. <laughs> well, how she rolled like a roly poly. Yeah, like a roly poly. <laughs> I don't know what a roly poly is, but it seems like a weird thing to roll like when someone pushes you in front of a train. <laughs> but is, is, a ro I, is it an actual thing? Do you have any idea what that is? Well, it just, it reminds me of that, that show. Like when I was younger, there used to be a show called, oh, what the hell was it? Roly poly poly? Okay. And it was like these like weird like alien people. So that's what and they've got like they were like circular here. So okay. they were kind of like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's don't know. that's all I recalled. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Whatever that is, this story is very much like the first one. Um the difference here for other than the fact that she survived is it was caught on video and the video was leaked uh, a toronto kind of blog newspaper sort of thing released the video of the incident so it's widely available online for people to see who want to see something like this but the the woman that we we heard um speaking there uh she's walking to get on the tr like walking towards the platform where the train is coming like towards the edge you see this little old lady with like a hood up next to her and at the last second the little old lady just shoves her down into the ground it's and off the platform bizarre. in front of the train and like uh, could you imagine there were so many people there and they like you would want to help but you can't well what do you do it, when the well, train exactly yeah for one there's no way you're diving down there but um, no. especially as the train's coming but even when the train pulls up you know there's a couple inches between like the edge of the platform and the train so anyone who saw this would have assumed she was cut to pieces dead oh, under the train yeah you would never Ooh. think she would live but there is like there's enough space under there where i guess she was able to just kind of roll off to the side like a roly-poly and wound up stuck between probably damp cold black concrete and the steel wheels of this subway probably well, completely disoriented and but that survival instincts kicking in because you were just shoved off of a platform i i don't know if i would have you know had the had the sense enough to roll to the side no i, I would, hope so it's I, I i'm sure with this lady it's luck because it's she could have easily rolled in the other direction and rolled into the other wheel uh, right because it's like you said it's when you if you've made that fall you're falling onto concrete at probably six feet or something up so that would minimum be, yeah that'd be a big whack um when you oh. hit the ground there's no way you would have your the wherewithal to be like i gotta roll here to dodge the train like right like, unless you're like oh, chris born unless you're like a superhero spider-man or something like that it's just, just luck chris angel 
<laughs> no, what's it? Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne or Chris Angel. <laughs> Whichever. <laughs> yeah. But it's um anyway, in in this uh, she manages to survive. They release the photo. The TTC releases and well not TTC. Toronto police release a photo of the woman who did the pushing. There's a very clear shot they have of her uh that was released. Um they eventually found her two or three days later, I believe. In the TTC, I think she was on a bus when she was arrested, or maybe it was another subway. But she was spotted and recognized and arrested. It also came up in that news report. This was one of the things that really surprised me. The survivor who was speaking, if you live in Toronto and you don't have a car, if you want to go somewhere, you got to get in the TTC. So in this lady's case, like two days later, she limps onto the TTC to like get back to work or whatever it is she had to do. That is crazy. Like that poor woman. Right. But it which nuts. But then later on, we find out she actually she's the one that actually sued the TTC. Hell yeah. So Let, hopefully she won and she doesn't have to use it anymore. Well, this is pretty recent. This only happened. Or hopefully she wins. I should say you're right. Yeah. So this isn't that long ago, but it's um, but yeah, she did sue. I actually I have a clip I'm going to air that discusses a bit of the particulars of her lawsuit. Let me just... It was an incident that shocked the city and left a 39-year-old woman in ongoing physical and emotional pain, according to a statement of claim filed against the TTC. The incident happened on April 17th. Shamza Abalushi was waiting for the subway at Bloor Young Station when she was shoved onto the tracks and into the path of an oncoming train. The way I fell, the way I was pushed, is just crazy. Days after the incident, Abalushi told CTV News that she had suffered a broken rib. Now, in court papers, her lawyers allege she continues to deal with ongoing neck and back pain, along with emotional trauma, insomnia, anxiety, and depression. The suit alleges that the TTC failed to implement sufficient safety protocols on the subway platform, failed to provide regular supervision of the passengers, did not have adequate surveillance, and failed to promptly respond to the incident. Toronto police arrested 45-year-old Edith Frayne several days after the incident. She has been charged with attempted murder. Her case is currently before the courts. The statement of claim, which seeks damages of a million dollars plus legal costs, alleges that the incident has affected Albalushi's ability to earn an income and that she's forced to continue to use the TTC as she does not own a vehicle, something the suit says has contributed to the deterioration of her mental health. None of the allegations in the suit have been tested in court. Yeah, so I am on her side in that lawsuit. Absolutely. And I think something that will really work in her favor, I would think, when this comes to court or whatever happens, is the fact that what we heard earlier in that 2018 push, we hear them talking about this solution, which is, you know, that barrier. We hear them say, you know, we've been talking about this even before someone was pushed in 2018. Here she is in 2022, four years later, getting pushed in front of a train and there's no question she survives this of course but there's no question that this took a hell of a lot out of her and i'm i'm i don't know this person but i can confidently say she's not the same person she was before this having survived it and being forced to continue to ride the ttc that's just bizarre and not only that but so soon after two days after i'd be taking like a month off of work like Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's insanity. You know, like Uber should sweep in and give her like a free lifelong membership just as a statement. Oh, that's, that's a great idea. Just as a statement. Yeah. Just be like, don't take the TTC. Like we, this is what we'll do for you. That, yeah, no doubt. They should, right? Um, Yeah. But it's, that still is 
before the courts. There's no new updates or anything to give on this lawsuit. I could not even find the particulars of exactly what she is asking for. But whatever she gets, I will confidently say now in advance that it's not enough. And yeah. the TTC should not put her through the trouble of even having to sue them. Um, they should fix the problem. And yeah, it's a billion dollars, but it could have easily been now a second life that is lost as a result of simply being able to push someone into the front of a train because you are having a bad day or have a mental health issue or, yeah. you know, or, or the two mixed together. Totally. Um, and like we said at the beginning, when I was discussing kind of the, the, the way it feels in the underground subway system is it does feel like a mix between uh, a homeless shelter, um, a crisis outreach center and a public transit system. If you're going to allow all this stuff to be mixed together, pump and 1.8 million people through it a day you got to keep people safe if not you know people are going to be yeah. dying and their loved ones and their estates are going to be suing the pants off of you rightfully so i say exactly well and it's like the ttc has been around a long long time mm -hmm. and i believe in our in the first case we talked about from 2018 they mentioned the case a push case from 1997 mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Like this has been going on a while, you guys. Yeah, well, and I, it probably wasn't a billion dollars back in '97. During my uh, like reading and stuff for this, I also found a um, there's a Wikipedia entry. Uh, like I don't know if you use Wikipedia a lot, but it's like a separate Wikipedia page that's called like incidents on the TTC, and it goes back the history of the TTC, looking at crime, murders, all sorts of things. Um, oh and it's God. it's shocking how often you know, push, unprovoked, random, you know, incident, it comes up over and over again. And again, we are only looking at June 2018 to present. Uh, yeah. it, it just so happened that the first two we got into here are pushes, but the next two we're going to talk about uh, include murders, uh, but they don't include pushing. And they are both absolutely horrific. Um, so what we just talked about with the survival, survival of the push was April 22. Let's go ahead just two months later to June 17th of 2022. Uh, this happens um, in the area of Kipling Avenue in Dundas Street at 12.30 p.m. So this is lunchtime. This is absolutely horrific and unimaginable what happened to this victim and what other people on this this wasn't on a subway this was on a on a bus um what people had to witness and went through with this listen to this the call to police came at about noon it was reported that a man was attacking a woman on board a ttc bus the man uh, was then alleged to have poured some type of liquid substance or an accelerant on this woman and then ignited that substance, causing her, uh, causing a fire and causing the uh, female victim to burn. Constable Alex Lee says a number of Good Samaritans provided aid to the woman before first responders arrived. The woman suffered second and third degree burns, described as life-altering injuries. A 35-year-old man is in custody and charges are pending. Preliminary investigations have led uh, our investigators to believe that this is a random attack. TTC riders and nearby residents are on edge. Uh, daunting to be honest uh, especially being a woman if this is the case if someone is being um, burnt especially on the subway 
um, does not make him feel safe at all. My uh, girlfriend lives in the area and it's pretty scary. She's scared to take the TTC now. I understand their concerns. Uh, and I, I do like to remind people that we move hundreds of millions of people every year without incident. The incident is just the latest in a string of violent attacks on TTC property. In April, a 21-year-old international student from India was shot and killed outside a subway station. Ten days later, a woman was pushed onto the subway tracks but survived. Police made arrests in both cases and TTC surveillance was pivotal. And we you know, agree to continue the, the, the relationship of working together for this investigation and with the deployment of staff and how we continue to have the TTC remain safe. The TTC has made it a priority to add more visible special constables and security cameras at their stations. 28 years old, on her way to work in the middle of the afternoon on public transit and a complete stranger pours gas on her and sets her on fire in front of people. Like, and I realize mental illness is is a huge, like plays a massive, massive role in almost all of the, all of these stories. But like, what a, what a way to attack someone. I know. It's, what, it, like, 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 cause the push seems like it's this sudden thing where you just, ah, push someone. Uh, uh, even like a stabbing is a bit different as well. But the idea of like, exactly. I have gas and a lighter and I'm- Not you know, only do you have two compounds, <laughs> but like that takes planning. You would think, yeah. Like but, that's, ugh. But this one, we don't know a lot about who did it and why or what evidence is against them for this because this only happened several months ago this was june of 2022 that this happened yeah right. six seven months ago but the wheels of justice move slow at this point though we do know a bit so the 28 year old uh naima dolma uh, who worked as like they describe her as caregiver but i saw photos of her look and it looks like she's wearing like nurse kind of scrub so i'm not sure exactly what her job was but she was on her way to work she was on the bus, but the bus was in the subway station, if you know what I like I described earlier. You, you, you just explained that. Yeah, to me, you yeah. get off the subway and get right on the bus in the station. She was approached by a random man, so there was some kind of approach before it happens, and he was described by witnesses as being half dressed. I don't know what that means. Maybe he had no shirt on, who knows? Um, but okay. he was at least described as being half dressed. And the bus isn't driving, it's just idling at the station as people are, you know, hopping on and off or whatever. I don't know what the exchange is, but he at this point pours gas on her, sets her on fire. Uh, he um, He's 33 years old. His name is Tenzin Norbu. He's charged, he's facing charges of first degree murder. But here's where it's interesting. In this case, the police have described it as a suspected hate-motivated offense and the case is actually being handled by the hate crimes unit. So what the, I, I don't know what that could mean. I, I know they in that clip we just watched, it talked a lot about the Tibetan community as mourning. So I don't know if it was like maybe a hate crime against Tibet her because she's a Tibetan. Maybe there's something to that I don't understand, but it's it's that or because she's a woman. Mm. There's it just this this attack reminded me of all the acid attacks that you hear of mm -hmm. um, with lots of Middle Eastern women as victims. Mm -hmm. um, but that's and that but that those usually, to my knowledge, aren't random, you know, yeah. But, but yeah, I just now that you say that, I wonder, can a hate crime be like misogyny? Can it? 
I and a hate crime be against a, a certain I don't know because gender in well in Toronto we had the van attack which was like the incel motivated attack by Alec Manassian who rented a uh, moving van and drove it down the sidewalk with the plan of just killing women because he he identified as a incel which is like the involuntarily celibate but right. ultimately drove a moving van into people because he couldn't get laid um, and I, I believe that that was being investigated as a hate crime against that okay so i wonder like i can see that could there be some evidence that it's something like this or could it be something against tibetans i yeah. i've never heard of like i'm blissfully ignorant but i've never heard of like people targeting tibetans when i think of tibetans i think these peace-loving kind of monks but then again right. <laughs> all i really know about tibetans is like oh no the beastie boys did like a free tibet concert so yeah, there is some kind I, of unrest. I love the Beastie Boys. Yeah, but <laughs> I remember they did like a big concert about like free Tibet. So yeah, there oh. is some kind of civil problems. In okay. Tibet. So this is probably something that's way over my head, and there's probably a Tibetan listener who's like, "You idiots!" Uh, yeah, I I would like definitely. to know more if there. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's probably listeners from all over the world who are saying that, not just Tibet. But I would like to know more about what leads them to say that this is a suspected hate crime they clearly know more than we do and the guy who did it uh, and i think we can safely say he did it because he did it on a bus in front of a bunch of other people and then got arrested uh he's lived to tell police his side of the story so there's something that led them to go in that direction so yeah i wonder if he was just like yeah i did it because just uh, or uh, whatever or yeah whatever the case is um so this isn't a push this doesn't this wouldn't have changed with that billion dollar border. Um, a lot of the conversation about this is, uh, surrounds um, the amount of security on the buses and subways. A lot of people were interviewed in the news in the wake of this saying like, I've been riding the subway for 15 years. I've never once seen one of these cops or these security guards. Yeah, they have cameras everywhere that seem to film everything, but it seems like the majority of the enforcement that happens uh on trains are more about people paying their fares and not i was just gonna freaking say that. people out yeah it's funny how that works right yeah um but it doesn't end here we had the push death the push survival the fire death which only happened several months ago we're now going to go to just weeks ago well yeah weeks ago december 8th we'll call this the ice pick death and this one also is absolutely shocking and horrific this is what happened just before christmas on the ttc it was just after two this afternoon when toronto police were called to high park subway station there was a 911 call that came in for high park subway station uh, indicating that there was a man armed with a knife on the train when first responders arrived they found two women police say in their 20s or 30s who'd been stabbed both were rushed to hospital by emergency run one has since died the other is in stable condition it appears that there's only one person that was responsible for the wounds that were inflicted on the two female victims and he has been taken into custody news of the attack shocked those in the area this is shocking shocking um I don't know if it's a random attack on these women, but um, to be at a subway in the middle of the day and get stabbed is just not like, it's not the Toronto that I remember. Police say at this point, they don't know if the victims knew their attacker or if there'd been any previous interaction. Questions that will now be part of an investigation. 
it is underway. The level of violence that's been taking place in the city is a problem. So that one is, uh, this case is starting to sound a little bit more like the fire one. This involves a man on the train stabbing two women. Um, one of the women will die from her injuries. One fortunately will survive and the man will be arrested at the scene. I believe he, unless I'm mistaken, we'll hear a bit more shortly, but I believe he just stood around after it happened, which is kind of shocking. I've seen um, photos that were released of um, just before the stat just before the stabbing and i think some just after of the man just kind of standing there on a subway um photos taken by other people on on the train so this is quite horrific um random unprovoked there didn't seem to be any conversation just a man approaches two women begins to stab one able to get away one not so lucky the this is this has an even darker element to it when we learn more about the woman who was killed. Um, in this, uh, this part really, really breaks my heart because it's not only is it unprovoked, random, horrific, public, traumatic for everyone involved, but it's also an attack on a very vulnerable person where the woman who died um, suffered a lifelong disability living with and born with cerebral palsy. So listen to this update. Here's just a bit more information on the victim case. I don't know, that was a pig island. Just three weeks ago, Vanessa Kurpuska was enjoying the trip of her lifetime with her uncle in the Bahamas. These are the pictures that her mother will hold on to forever. Still trying to believe it was her daughter who was attacked and killed on a subway car on Thursday afternoon. Vanessa was happy because she was in no pain and probably that's why she decided to take a subway station to come home, but, but never get home. Her mother says Vanessa had taken an Uber to see the dentist at Kipling Station and was on her way home via the TTC, despite the fact she was very cautious and anxious at times. She has a cerebral palsy. She was born with cerebral palsy. But she was quite independent. That's why, you know, she wanted to do things herself as much as possible. It was just after 2 p.m. when police were called to the eastbound platform of High Park Station. One witness tells Global News a woman covered in blood came running through the emergency doors. He ran into the next subway car to see if he could help. I could not believe what I saw. It was just un unreal, surreal. It was just terrible. The witness, who does not want to be identified, said a good Samaritan was blocking the suspect from leaving the subway train. When police arrived, the suspect was taken down. He also saw Vanessa Kurpuska sitting on a chair. And that's why I yelled out, are you all right, lady? And uh, I didn't get any response at all. 52-year-old Neng Jia Jin was arrested at the scene. He appeared in court today and was charged with first-degree murder and attempted murder. I do ask myself a question, why her? Why, why it was her? She was never, you know, she wasn't like mean or to to start a fight with someone, especially on this, with the strangers. She would avoid this kind of super uh, su uh, situation. A young woman who had overcome so much the first nine years of her life in a wheelchair, she only learned to walk without a walker at age 12. Killed in a subway car, simply not fair. I'm disappointed in this goddamn city, you know, 
that public transportation is supposed to be safe. I would never thought in a million years, you know, that she would die like this. Very difficult because, as so many people have said to me today, this could have been any of us. Now, the witness I spoke to who was here yesterday said when he saw the suspect on the train, he appeared to have no emotion. He was still carrying what he described as a sharp object. It was not a knife. He also said that that good Samaritan who was keeping the suspect from leaving, he described him as a hero. I should also mention that Mr. Jen, the accused, will be back in court next Wednesday. Court records show that he has no fixed address. That just uh, to me, that adds like an, an extra layer of the horror. When you see the photo of this woman who died, she doesn't look like someone who would easily be able to defend herself, only have learned to, you know, walk out of a wheelchair at 12 years old. It's, you know, the idea that this could happen to a vulnerable person. But I guess just like that news report says, it could have been anybody. It was just the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's that's what makes it so scary, I think, mm -hmm. is because it. It can, could happen to anybody at any time. And we all know someone that has been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And, and would, it's, it's scary. Yeah, I would like to think that if someone came at me and, and they say in one of those news reports, they described it as like a knife. Um, what I've heard a witness describe it as is looking more like something you would use to break ice or an, like an ice pick. Like it's a, a, a stabbing instrument, but it was, I think, even more brutal than what you would expect by being stabbed with a knife. But I like to think that if someone came at me with a knife or something, I'd at least be able to like fight for my life. But right. But my grandmother wouldn't, my, you know, my child wouldn't. Uh, someone my age who lives with cerebral palsy probably wouldn't be able to put up a big fight. And, you know, those people use public transit and that there could just be some nut on there who's just confused and going through something can just p steal someone's life away. And now, you know, now our, our court system and our quote unquote justice system is going to deal with it. But his one court, he's made one court appearance so far. The guy who did it, 52 year old Ningjia Jin of no fixed address. So someone living with facing homelessness um, at his court hearing, he was described as appearing confused, resting his head in his hands. Uh, he needed a Mandarin interpreter for the entire thing, but seemed to have no idea who he was, where he was, or what was going on. Um, oh. But we know very little about it because this case is subject to a publication ban for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know what 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 that was about, but it's interesting. Uh, yeah, it, but we know enough to know that you know. I think we can probably get a pretty good idea of what's going on. I'm sure the guy who did it and his family would have their own story of what he's been dealing with. But I think it's, there's the tragedy of what happens and then our country and our government and all of our systems that be need to deal with the fallout from that tragedy. But then there's also the failings leading up to it. How does someone get to this point where they can be wandering around aimlessly with an ice pick on Toronto transit exactly stab someone and just kind of stand around confused after it's like all of these all of our social kind of systems need to work together to prevent yeah. this um but that all said a billion dollar barrier will at least help with people getting pushed right oh, well yeah. like you said um uh mental health is like a huge part of it 
and also because there is such a large homeless population in really anywhere that gets shelter from the elements, not just mm-hmm. subways or um, public transit stations. But we have to ask ourselves, why? Why is there such a homeless issue? Why is there such a mental health issue? And then you're right, that goes back to all of our, every every level of life. We all need to work together. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's, all of these things cost money and oh, yes. yeah. government hates spending money. Taxpayers hate That's paying correct. taxes. And as a result of all this, the cracks that exist just seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. And yeah. where you see when people are falling in these cracks, where you seem to find them is in these kind of dramatic news reports of some horrible thing happening. And, you know, you can read the horrible thing and the news of the horrible thing and react to it like we are tonight. But if we really dissected the backgrounds of these people, I'm sure there would be this whole other angle that you could take some of these cases from to find, you know, like to, to answer the question, like what made, you know, any one of these people do these things? I am sure the answer to that question is long. It would involve psychologists experts on mental health and the systems that aim to, you know, prevent these credentials, neither of us have. (laughs) No, absolutely not. I think looking at these stories, um, four stories pulled from the last four and a half years, uh, which really make me uneasy about public transit. But again, I need to consider the fact that 1.8 million people ride the system a day and we've pulled four stories, but these stories are so horrific that even if it is one one in a million chance, I don't want to take this chance. That's still a chance. And there's still going to be that one. Someone has to be that one. That many people in any area, you're bound to, to have issues like that. Like two million people a day. That is so many people. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Like that's staggering. Um... One last thing about the Toronto transit system. I don't know if you had much chance to look at this, but in researching this story, I found a Reddit thread where people were sharing their craziest stories of uh, their craziest experiences on the TTC. And every so often, like a Reddit thread will just strike a nerve and get people talking. This was one. There were stories from all over the place people had a million. Did you go through many of them? Not a ton of them, but I, I definitely leafed through a few okay. and they were pretty entertaining. Uh, there were several violent, but also just some kind of wild ones. One involved a man recounting a story of being on the bus when his bus driver just had a heart attack and they had oh, to like right. commandeer the bus. Uh, one guy told the story of being on the bus while the bus hit a random kid with a bike on a bike right. horrible story uh here's one and, and they said they were like yeah you you looked at the kid and you would have never even thought he just got hit by, by a bus. yeah actually i'll read it so here's here's the paragraph that he describes he says a kid maybe 13 or 14 years old runs out in front of the bus i'm on then i hear a big thwack he ends up standing up and wandering away in a state of shock the driver called 911 and a minute later the guy was back with a gash on his head but looking better than he'd expect for someone who had literally just been hit by a bus better than <laughs> you'd expect uh i like i like this one 
I was riding the Eglinton bus and it was super crowded as usual, packed to the rafters. It was at a stop and half the people squished on, but the driver started to close the doors. This woman stood in the doorway screaming that she wanted to get on the bus. The driver was like, no, there's no space. And she screams to everyone on the bus, for the love of baby Jesus, move the move Everyone moved to the back of the bus, and as we were completely squished to the back of the bus, this man, in a thick Jamaican accent, screams back at her, tell baby Jesus to build bigger buses. <laughs> I love that guy. I would have collapsed if I would have been there. That, oh my God, well, that is the best. I, I love when people say shit like that. I, I just love when there's this horrible, like, kind of annoying situation, and everyone's annoyed. Um but someone manages to just break that with like just a, a silly thing. And I can see this guy being that person. I'd like to meet him. Um, oh, that is the best. That one's my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's one other that I want to read. And this is one because it became a bit of an ongoing thread. Um, someone told a story about someone they're, they're referring to as the scooter lady. And then other people started to chime in like, I had a react. I had an encounter with her. So this must be someone who just terrorizes the subway. <laughs> So here, here's what it says. A couple of years ago, I was at the Eglinton station. I was in the elevator with my son in a stroller and a woman in a red scooter comes on and scooter meaning like an electric wheelchair, I think. Uh, she starts screaming at me to move and she had enough room. And when I said no, she flipped out screaming and refused to hit the button for the ground level. I said, just hit the button already. Hagface kept me trapped in the elevator for 15 minutes for swearing in front of my uh, 15 minutes swearing in front of my 10 year old. The emergency button didn't summon any help whatsoever. Someone else called the elevator. So Hagface zips in front of me and starts using her scooter to block my exit until a TTC worker unlocks a side door far from her and lets me out. And that's how I got to file a police report whereupon they said, oh, her again. So as far as I know, all they did was give her a lecture on why forcible confinement is a bad thing. And then she says, or she had the, the writer adds, I think I saw her previously at, ba or no, sorry, this is another person responded. I think I saw her previously at Bathurst station, verbally ripping someone a new one while we were in an elevator. Some stranger tried to help her and it wasn't to her liking. We all got off the elevator and hit all the buttons before she could get out. Watch out for a cra for crab ass on a red scooter. She's a literal men menace. So, <laughs> so it seems like that was something and, and all these people responding, like giving their little story, like she yelled at me for blah, blah, blah. So it seems like- At the like point of keeping me in the elevator, I would have physically crawled over her scooter with no shame and no remorse. Yeah, I think I'd be- <laughs> like, a, a, that, would, that would have been that. <laughs> if, it was, if it was just me, I maybe would be like, okay, I'm gonna enjoy this for a second. I'd probably, well, actually, I'd probably start talking, maybe take out my phone. Well, I'm not kidding. I You'd definitely would take to. out my phone. But <laughs> this person who wrote that was with their 10 year old son. And I'll That's say right, right now, like it, when I'm with my kids, if someone messes with me, it's like I'm a different person. Uh, oh, I bet. So I would say uh, any human being would have a hard time keeping me trapped in an elevator when I'm with my kid. Um, you'd be reading about it in the news. I, I, well, like I 15, suspect. 15 minutes? That's a long time. Yeah, unless I felt really safe, maybe I would be like, "Son, I'd be like, son, you're gonna learn something today about people. <laughs> Let's go for right. a little ride." <laughs> um, anyway, well, we should start wrapping this up. We've talked through some horrific, horrible stories. I hope there's never a sequel to this episode. Um, however, that said, I am interested to follow 
these cases because all four of these are still before the courts, including the lawsuit against TTC. And if anything gets safety improved on TTC, it's going to be lawsuits, money talks, I'm sure of it. So we're going to have to follow that. Oh, definitely. Um, Maddie, before we wrap this up, I know you're always busy. You just published a new video. Do you got anything going on you want to tell us about? Um, I'm just, I'm doing, my next YouTube video is going to be about the Shell Lake Massacre that happened in 1967 in Saskatchewan. That was a bombing, right? No, um, just randomly, some guy from a little small village in Saskatchewan, um, he had actually been released from the North Battleford Hospital three weeks prior. Mm. But yeah, he just got into his car one day and picked a random house right uh, outside of Shell Lake, Saskatchewan, and murdered the entire family of nine. Wow. So, okay. From like, yeah. So that's the case I'm going to do next. And so that'll be posted sometime next week. And you just published a video that tells the story of a, of a man who was charged with murdering his girlfriend or wife who was identified only due to like the serial number of her prosthetic breasts. Yes. Like yeah. Um, if you, I, I especially liked talking about that case because it kind of intertwines with early 2000s reality television, which I'm a huge fan of. Okay. Um, but yeah, back in 2009, the Reader's Digest version, a guy from Calgary ended up getting picked to go on a VH1 reality show. Um, he did so. He did very well. He got picked to be on another VH1 reality show. But in the midst of that, he met and quickly married um, a 28-year-old model named Jasmine Fior. And just the relationship was toxic right from the beginning. There's speculation of why they got married in the first place. He needed a green card, whatever. Mm. But he ends up murdering her, removing her teeth and her fingers. And then they had to identify her by the serial numbers on her breast implant. Wow. That's so yeah. And, and, and that video is on your YouTube channel. Now you've already put that out. It is. Yep. That yep. one's posted and ready to go. And you can give that a watch. And our, our next one, you and I will be doing, uh, probably within a week or two, the disappearance of, uh, of Kenley. That's it's now a, a popular well i don't know popular but it's now a documentary that a lot of people are writing me about an amazon prime documentary i'm, I'm going through it now and uh i'm excited i to think i'm on the third it. episode okay i'm um, just yeah i'm in the middle of that i'm just getting to the second to probably tomorrow night is when i'll start the second but we'll uh we'll get that done and then we'll chat about that within a week or two i'm looking forward to breaking it down with you me too all right, it's Maddie. Good case. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Look forward to our next talk. And I thank you for your time on the show. Happy to thank have you. Thank you for having me as always. I want to thank you for joining Madeline and I for a discussion tonight. But before we part here, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Maddie Klein for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big shout out to Monty Data, who contributes the music for this series. And a shout out to LJ from the Dystopian Simulation podcast, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers. But lastly, and most importantly, I have a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, Nighttime would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping this show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. 
So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please consider subscribing to the premium feed. Not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show and make it possible, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a full back catalog of episodes only on the premium feed. So for both the price of a cup of coffee, you can go premium at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on that topic, I also want to thank the newest subscribers, Brent, Molly, and Larissa. Thank you for your generous support. And one last thing before we go here. If anyone listening has any story ideas, wants to give feedback on the show, or would like to contribute a voice memo to be aired and responded to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. What I think about sometimes is if I'm in a tall building and I don't have an easy way out and you know I have to get an elevator down 20 floors or something, I immediately start thinking of September 11th. And it's like the chances of an airplane flying into a building in Halifax are pretty low, but I'm like, I don't want to be up here. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to be And I, I am the same on the TTC or any bus. I don't like crowds to begin with, even if I'm at the yeah. mall and it's like leading up to shot, uh, Christmas, let's say, when the malls are packed. I was like, I don't know about that. There, Yeah, I used to be such a social butterfly and now I'm like a large group of people. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'll do yeah. concerts. I'll still do a good concert, but yeah, a well, busy mall, not for me. They're not safe either. That, that whole situation in Vegas, the shooting. My dad was there. Not at the concert, but in Vegas when that happened. Wow, really? Yeah, that was uh, nuts. Yeah, so what we're talking about, for people who don't know, there was the con- uh, a large like country concert festival. Something I think, like that. And some man rented a hotel room that would have given him, like a, I don't know, you say he's 15 stories up and he would have had a good view of the concert grounds. And he brought a bunch of high-powered automatic firearms into the hotel room with the plan of just shooting down at, pe- at concert goers and that's exactly what he did and it's a horrific random bunch of people died your dad was there that must have been wild because i'm sure the city was shut down after that yeah it was crazy well they always stay off strip him and his girlfriend and i can't remember how that went but yeah i think they had gotten there like that day or just just a few hours before and then mm-hmm. I hear that I wake up and I hear this happen and I'm just like, what the hell? Oh, that's right. Because they were walking on the strip and then a bunch of ambulances flew by and they were like, oh, what's going on? And yeah. Um, Also the same weekend that Tom Petty died or it's the same day. Oh, really? Yes. I'm a big Tom Petty fan. So I always correlate the two. (laughs) You see things in like pre and post Tom Petty's death. Uh, Pretty much. Since you're a Tom Petty fan, I'll I'll tell you one of my horrible stories is uh, Tom Petty played in Halifax. um, I don't know, not long before he died. And I'm also a huge Tom Petty fan, but it was on a school night or a work night for me. And I was like, ah, you know, tickets are a hundred bucks. I'm not going to miss the money, but it's like, you know, I got to work at like eight the next morning. And I was like, no, I'll just like, I'll see him again. And then it was like, you know, shortly later he died. And then not long after that, um, 
Actually, I don't know who came first, but I think not long after I didn't go to Tom Petty and he died, Prince came to Halifax. And if there's an artist I like more than Tom Petty, it's Prince. And I was like, ah, it's a school night. I'm not going to go. You have to stop doing that. I know. <laughs> so it's like I am responsible for what happened to Prince. <laughs> so the way I see it. But um, anyway, that's uh, that I'll never forgive myself for missing Tom Petty and Prince. No, that's and you shouldn't. Hi. Her name is Elspeth. Elspeth Tassioni. You know her as the offbeat but brilliant defense attorney from The Good Wife and The Good Fight. You've been a very busy little bee. Buzz, buzz. Now she's in New York with the NYPD. This is very different. Better. But still using her unconventional ways to find the truth. You're trying to sniff me, Miss Tassioni? <laughs> Elspeth, new series Thursdays on Global. Stream on Stack TV.